0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, Miller, lovely cushioned header. But you're oh, you muted! What a head, What a hit! The time to Luis Garcia, oh. tries his luck!
1: Score. It's a deep! Good Liverpool And Liverpool have won the Champions League. This is amazing. Hello and welcome to your Champions League preview podcast here on Anfield Index. I am your host, Andy Wales. And ahead of Liverpool traveling to Belgium for uh, match day three against Genk, I've brought along a guest who I am, well, quite familiar with. Um, in fact, I think it's been about 24 hours since we last did a podcast together. So uh, he is, of course, none other than my uh, my usual uh, co- uh, co-presenter, I'm thinking of the right word here, co-host, <laughs> co-presenter for the for the Res Review podcast. It is, of course, the man of a million podcasts, Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are we doing, Guy?
0: I'm good. I'm good. This will be interesting. Um Genk. Yeah. I I know I know my Belgian football.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hopefully it'll be a lovely Belgian truffle that we that we come away with. Um before we get into match day 3 though, I'm looking ahead to this uh, this Genk game. Let's cast our eyes back to uh, match day two, because Liverpool came into the game against uh, Salzburg on zero points, having lost the opening uh, fixture against Na- uh, Napoli. So uh, a win at home to, to Salzburg was what was needed, Guy. And uh, well, yes, we got one in the end, a 4-3 victory. But it looks, um, you know, shortly before half time as though we're going to be cruising to... Uh, to what was going to be a classic performance and, uh, you know, vintage reds, but, well, you know, anything but.
0: Yeah, you were thinking about, when did we score our third? About 36 minutes in, thinking, ah, we can bring off the front three of you, it's good time to get minutes, think, uh, Arigi, uh if Brewster was on the bench, I kind of remember the line-up, uh, but yeah, you're thinking we can actually give people a rest here Um and give people minutes like Nabby Cater and stuff like that. But no, <laughs> it didn't work out like that in the end, did it? It's, uh, it was uh, it a really, well, the old cliche as it is, the game of two halves, which is the most annoying and stupid <laughs> cliche in football. But um, yeah, they they really just turned it on. And I'm sure most people have seen that video of um, Jesse Marsh's halftime team talk. It seemingly worked because they were a. Uh, they were a team um, rejuvenated at half-time. And uh, I think before we started recording, you said, um, what was the word you used? Overconfident? Um, complacency. Complacency, that, that was, that's yeah. the word, yes.
1: It's something I hate. I know football terms, it's it's such a dangerous thing. And it did feel to me that first goal that Liverpool conceded, there was an air of complacency that we were so slack and lacklustre that we took our foot off the gas and we gave them a shred of hope and they took it. They not only took it, they grasped it fully mm. with both hands and
0: they really rattled us. I mean, their first goal, I mean, we haven't talked about, our, our goals were all wonderful, we'll get to them, but their, their first goal was, it. it like, someone embarrassed Van Dyke, Like, Huang, or however you pronounce his name, he he, he sat Van Dyke down. <laughs> that should not be happening. Um, but no, I think Salzburg... I think people going into the game, they probably expected what we got in the first half was a bit of a rout. Um, but people who have seemingly seen them a bit more knew they were an attacking threat. Like I, I, I recorded um tactics weekly, and and Lee um seemingly knew knows or watched a bit of them or quite a lot of them this season, and he he knew they were very much an attacking threat. And as soon as they got that first goal, I mean, it was it was um. It just snowballed, didn't it? And they got two goals quite quickly after the first one, and it, it was—I mean, it was the it was the scariest of scares. Because if we drew that game, I know um, Napoli drew earlier on in the day, which kind of gives us a bit more leeway. But we we've had similar in the um, previous group stages, haven't we? We've uh, struggled in the groups um, and then done very well in the knockout stages, but. Uh, yeah, group stages don't seem seem to be comfortable for us, which is not good. But uh, a home game against Salzburg uh, shouldn't be having this scare. But uh, anyway, let, let's talk about the first half, Andy, where where it was all sun, <laughs> sunshine and rainbows.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, we'll get the negatives out of the way, as you mentioned. Look, the goals we gave away. Yet yeah, the first one starts with complacency. It it starts with lacklustre. It, it everything about it nonchalant giving the ball away in midfield um Gomez being quite off position as you mentioned winding um really doing doing a number on uh, van dyke uh, and the other goals as well you know getting mm. getting caught out of position we we had been rattled and, and they are the negatives in the game that for what was probably in total around about a 20 minute period of the game 20 to 25 minute period of the game Salzburg really went at us, and and they really showed all the attacking talent that they do have. Uh, We also, you know, had a couple of chances in that period. But before that, yeah, as you're right to say, look, in that opening 30 to 35 minutes, we were we were sensational, and it it was the best of Liverpool. Um, Mm -hmm. and that opening goal, and the second goal from Robertson, you know, the opening goal from Mane, the second goal from Robertson. It was it was classic Liverpool stuff. It was everything that is so good about this Liverpool team.
0: Yeah, I mean the first goal especially was. I mean we're going to do Reds review like in a week or or two, but I'm going to guess that's going to be up there for goal of the month <laughs> because that was some disgusting play. Because I mean we've we've discussed Mane on there for well since he's obviously been at Liverpool. And he keeps—he seemingly just keeps going up levels that I don't think everyone expected in a while. He was obviously good coming at Liverpool, but there were some doubts about his consistency. But now he's just turning into this freak who does everything every game. And now his interplay with Bobby is... It, it, this game, it's shown that it's gone up to another level. Um... And them two just combined so well for this for this first goal because it was literally the tightest of offside calls, but it, that that just means it's the perfect ball because it's in, it, you can't defend that. Um, and yeah, even even the finish, it he makes it look easy. It's on a tight angle, and he I think he I think he kicks it into the floor. If not, he just chips it over him. But whatever he does, it, it's literally the perfect finish. And yeah, Sadio Mane, he's just turning into an absolute freak at the minute. And uh, long may that continue. And Andy Robertson scoring a goal. Yeah. A goal like... <laughs> the yeah. fullbacks yeah. to score as well. Yeah. That's nice. It, it's just... It's just weird saying Robertson scored a goal because he doesn't have many weaknesses, but in front of goal he does tend to turn into, like... Just, he just seems lost as soon as he gets in the box, doesn't he, bless him? But th- this yeah. was... Uh, this was beautiful, because he started it and then just continued this run. And, I mean, it's probably the right wing to defend if you're like, ah, I've, I've got to defend Robertson or one of the front three. <laughs> I'll just leave Robertson to it. And he's made like a perfect front post run that any striker would do, and you're like, eh? <laughs> Is that Robertson? Uh, but no, I mean, that, that, was, uh, that was a great goal. It, it really was. Um, and uh, I think that's Robertson's tally up for the season in terms of goals, but it's a it's a good it's a good one to have. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Nice, uh, nice for Salah to get the third because I think he'd be he kind of his game probably needs a couple mm. of goals at the moment. Uh, and then obviously we go three up. We're playing super, uh, sublime football. I think people are um, understandably wondering, just you know what this could end up being, you know, we're think, mm-hmm. starting to think about potential cricket scores and whatnot, the way Liverpool were playing, the way they were pulling them apart, how Salzburg, how open they were. They made a couple of changes. We we got sloppy, allowed them back in. They took full advantage and full credit to them. They got out for us. Like I said, you know, we were rattled. They get it back to 3-3. And then, this is where, again, it's, it's another facet to this Liverpool team, I think, is this composure, this this resilience Um, you know, a couple of two, three years ago, I believe we probably would have ended up losing the game from that position.
0: Well, we had the Sevilla a few years ago. Best draw,
1: but yeah, best draw, but possibly lose it. Instead, this team have this resilience about them. They do, you know, the mentality giants, as Jurgen called them. They they managed to shake the cobwebs clear, get themselves dusted down very quickly and Salah scores again and we get back into the get back the lead it goes to 4-3 and then what we see is a is a much more control that mm-hmm. we probably needed much earlier in the game but we did get it so yeah some some uh, negatives in there some uh, you know nerve-shredding moments in there but ultimately we've seen a couple of sides of this Liverpool team that that are the positives that you know mm-hmm. in being able to not you know not just that the great football early on, but then the ability to to respond to to respond positively to get back in it, and then that control that's something that was li- that yeah. was missing even eighteen months ago is that control of games.
0: It it really is, and I think, um, albeit I think I criticised it on the day because I think mean, bringing on Milder in a game that you kind of panic it. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, fill you with Joe, but I've probably got to start learning from that because Milner does does really well when he comes on as a substitute. I mean, I remember, um, was it Southampton that towards the end of last season he came on and changed the game almost? I think he came on at right back that day. But Milner coming on, he seemingly adds a level of um of discipline to the game. Like he's not, he's never going to be some sort of freak who just went like carries the game on his own but what he seems to do is just add a a level of discipline and um almost understand with the other midfielders cos um who did he come on for i think Ginny and henderson went off and we brought on Rigi and milner didn't we so i think we went and, we ended up going in a two man midfield if i remember correctly and we did yeah we yeah. changed
1: to a 4231 mm. and and at times it was even 442 mm-hmm. but it um yeah the change was needed and and you know, it was made, and mm-hmm. and as you
0: rightly point out, yeah, it, it helped, and we yeah. settled. And um, bringing on Origi as well, he adds a a, a more of a direct threat, doesn't he? Because uh, mm. they they were they were consistently playing through us, and the fact that we were trying to play around their press, it's what we it's what we've done at times. They were Liverpooling Liverpool to a certain degree, and then when we brought on O'Reilly, just like okay, we can just hit it up to the six, whatever. I think he's six foot two, six foot three. We can just hit it up to him. And we started, we regained control there. So I thought it was two um, very good um, subs to bring on, and it just it just kind of wrestled control back in the, back in the game for us. And uh, yeah, I think the I know this is the Champions League one, but the Leicester one as well. It's kind of shown what uh, what Milner's about, really. Um, the, these two two last games, he, he's kind of helped uh, massively.
1: Yeah, absolutely has, and. <clears throat> and the important thing is obviously is winning the game. The points are in the bag, you know. Whether it's whether it's four three or you know eight three, ten three, mm-hmm. whatever, it's still three points. Obviously, goal difference so might might well come into it yet. But yeah, it was important to get the win. Liverpool got the win, so that's three points on the board. And as you mentioned in the the other game in the group, a Napoli drawing nil nil away at Genk, and that was something of a surprise, especially after um, Salzburg had absolutely. Tonked Genk in the opening game of the group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I own I think I watched like the last twenty minutes of this game, and it really was just attack v defense. I'm not sure how Napoli actually drew this game, but um, it, it it seemingly just one of them where Napoli were not on it in front of God. Mm. I think they rested a couple of players, well, because I think uh, I think one of Insignia Mertens didn't play. Uh, I.
1: Well, (laughs) well, again, if that's their complacency, expecting to just go turn up and win, Mm. you know, that's again, that's another bonus for us, isn't it? It's it's points dropped by Napoli. It lets us back in, gives us the opportunity to uh, get back on top of the group. Um, So, I mean, that that was match day two for Liverpool and and in Group B, uh, Group E, I should say. Uh, just taking a look then, guy, around the rest of uh, match day 2 results. In Group F, Borussia Dortmund won 2-0 away at Slavia Prague. And Barcelona beat Inter Milan 2-1 at home. Uh, group G, Leipzig lost 2-0 at home to Lyon, which is a surprise. And Zenit St. Petersburg beat uh, Benfica 3-1 at home. Uh, over in Group H... Lille one, Chelsea two, good win for Chelsea. And Valencia losing three nil at home to Ajax. So that was um, that. That was quite something. Uh, in Group A, Real Madrid two, Club Bruges two. Wow, a big result. We'll discuss that one shortly. Well, in minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Galatasaray nil, PSG one. Also in Group A. Uh, group B saw Red Star beat Olympiacos three one at home and uh, something else that we may well mention was tottenham hotspur 2 bayern munich mm. 7 that was incredible game i watched that thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it for many reasons uh, group c atalanta 1 shakhtar 2 and uh, man city 2 dinamo zagreb 0 and finally, in Group D, Juventus beat Bayer Leverkusen 3-0 at home, whilst Atletico Madrid went away to Lokomotiv Moscow and beat them 2-0. So, a few notable uh, scores in there. Uh, probably the most um, notable, has <laughs> come up quite often... Funny. is <laughs> Yeah, funny too. Yes, very funny. Was uh, Bayern Munich beating Spurs 7-2. And... I've got like I said, uh, guy. I watched this game, and the Bayern were were definitely better than the were, than when we faced them. Not just by the scoreline, but in just, the sense of the bit. play. <laughs> yeah, fairly even first half, but second half they just absolutely took over, and they were clinical. Um, I tell you what, Bayern in this mood can be a threat. They could be a threat to us, mm. but um, you know, seeing them destroy Spurs, it's. Um, As you mentioned, you know, the domestic rivals, it's kind of funny, it's um, humorous to us, but uh, at the same time, I still would expect us to beat Bayern over two legs, so uh, it it says something about uh, Liverpool's domestic rivals.
0: Oh no, it really does. It it really does. Like I know they've improved, they've invested um, quite a lot, and I think Coutinho's probably one of the signing of the summers. Um, if not the signing of the summer, especially on the loan, I'm not sure what the actual details of it. But you've got what was a world class player for us, um, needing uh, just a bit of tender love and care, really. Um, and you're getting him probably for a bargain for a year. Um, and I know he was well, he wasn't even the star player in this, but he, just look, he, he 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 can bring a bit more magic to the team, but. Um, I think the star of this game was obviously um, Serge Gnabry, who was in English football for quite a while. He, he was loaned out to West Brom; couldn't get he couldn't even get any minutes for them. Good on there, Tony, fearless um, that is. Um, and even Arsenal—you you look at the Arsenal team in um, well for the last five plus years. I mean, he'd probably be perfect for them. You've, you've seen players like Awobi get loads of minutes Welbeck got loads of minutes for him as well um they're bringing through young lads like Saka and um others that can play in that position
1: yeah Willock yeah yeah Uh, it's the thing I I think the the thing is I I don't think anyone quite saw such an upturn in in Mm. He, he, Mm -hmm. he really did develop once he moved back to the Bundesliga he was given obviously given that that time on the pitch and that um, freedom to express himself and, and, and learn and develop. And I think a couple of years ago, you could see he was starting to develop, but I yeah. think he's really kicked on in over the last year. He's really kicked on levels and it's, um, I get, yeah, mm. as you mentioned, look, I don't think anyone <laughs> quite saw this coming, but uh, yeah, he, they're, he was, they're
0: he, looking. At, he gave us some um, problems as well, didn't he? He, he, he did. Was the one yeah. He, gave, he absolutely did. Yeah. yeah. You
1: know that, there they could be a danger. They could be a danger further in the competition. Um, you know, we we all know about PSG. Also in that group, though, Real Madrid two two at home to Club Bruges. I mean, they really do look a mess. Real Madrid, don't they?
0: They're really well. It's strange. I think they're actually top of La Liga, which I mean probably says more about um, Barca and uh, Atletico Madrid more so than Real Madrid at the minute. But uh, in terms of Champions League, because that's what they were awful in the league for under Zidane, if I remember correctly, in his first one. But obviously they had the um, the triple Champions League, so I think it was four out of five actually as well. Um, but I mean, it, I think they got smashed by PSG in the first game, didn't they? As well, which is probably more of a statement. But uh, this this competition should be their bread. Or should be their bread and butter. I know they've got injury problems and stuff like that, but. Club Bruges, and you're drawn with Minuli and goal. I, I watched that game. Club Bruges scored two of the worst goals I've ever seen, and it was funny. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of just highlights the problems at Real Madrid. I? I'm going to get the La Liga um, table in. Yeah, front I do
1: believe they are top. Yeah.
0: It's, but uh, I, I, but it's just on our bars atop now.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Oh right, yeah. Well I, I mean I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I would you know I do still expect Real Madrid to somehow squeak their way through yeah, and I would love to get them in the next round of the competition because it, mm-hmm. I think it would be the perfect opportunity to make right everything that was wrong in that uh, yeah. Champions League final. Yeah,
0: uh, you absolutely. know,
1: eighteen months ago.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um it's one of the wrongs we have to write, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, just to clarify, Barca are playing now, so they've played a game more than real. But yeah, i d I'd agree, um it's one of the ones we need to get revenge on because even the Rogers era Champions League game, they embarrassed us as embarrassed us too much, um back then. But yeah, Real Madrid they're just seemingly a very strange club at the minute. Like they've they've obviously got a very good team, like the defence is probably a bit old and decrepit. I know they've um Brought in some young Spanish lads and that Mendy uh, left back. I'm not sure if he's starting over Marcelo just yet, but uh, they're seemingly trying to bring through the next generation, but they're still seemingly playing um, Benzema and stuff. Like, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd leave a proper cluster effort. at the minute in UK. I don't even know where you can watch it. Um, But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the the young squad actually overtakes some of the... uh, the old guard at Real Madrid, because, I mean, Ramos has been discussed on a variety of shows. and
1: Yes, I I, yes. I would very much enjoy um, making a mockery of him uh, before he gets himself sent off.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: <laughs> so, looking ahead to match day three then. Uh, Tuesday night game. As we know, Liverpool are away to, to Genk on Wednesday night, but looking around the rest of the competition, on Tuesday night in Group A, it's uh, Club Bruges against PSG, Galatas are at home to Real Madrid. In Group B, Olympiacos are at home to Bayern Munich and Spurs uh, are at home to Red Star. Uh, Group C, Shakhtar against Dinamo Zagreb, an earlier kickoff, and Man City are at home to Atalanta. And then finally on Tuesday in Group D, you've got Atletico Madrid against Bayer Leverkusen in an early kickoff, which I think will be a really interesting Mm. game to watch, actually. And then you've got Juventus against Lokomotiv Moscow. So Wednesday night, uh, as I mentioned, Liverpool are away to Genk. That one's an 8 o'clock kick-off. Also kicking off at the same time is uh, Salzburg at home to Napoli. Um, Group F, uh, Inter Milan play-host to Borussia Dortmund and Barcelona go away to Slavia Prague. Uh, Group G, it's Red. It's uh, RB Leipzig against Zenit St. Petersburg in an early kickoff, and then Benfica against Lyon later on. And finally, in Group H, it is Ajax Chelsea in an early kickoff, and Leal against Valencia in the late one. So, uh, any of them can any of them fixtures grab your attention uh, outside of the Liverpool game? Obviously, that you'd uh, might be interested in uh, casting an eye
0: over. Um, there's two that probably stand out. Unfortunately, they're both on bloody Wednesday. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, Ajax v Chelsea, which we can obviously watch because it's the early kickoff. Um, Ajax, obviously. Um, seemingly impressive with their result over Valencia on the previous game week. But they've obviously done a bit of a rebuild after losing um, De Jong and De So that'll be interesting to see them. And obviously Chelsea, who, um, again, they're they're in a rebuild themselves. And we've seen um, the seemingly improving in domestic um, competition. And probably one of the teams that you'd probably say should get fourth. Uh, looking at the rest of the league, especially, but I think that'll be an interesting game because obviously Ajax with their semi-final run should have been the final. Um, it, it should be interesting. There's obviously a lot of players that should and probably will interest Liverpool from Ajax, and it's all. It's always good to see a good team against a, a domestic rival because I mean, hopefully, seeing Chelsea lose, lose, you never get bored of it, do you really? But uh, it, that should be a good game. Two two young teams. Um, and, yeah, I'll probably watch that one. And the other one for me, uh, as I said, unfortunately on Wednesday again, into v Dortmund. Uh, I, I really like Antonio Conte. I, I need to start watching a bit more. Serie A uh, and Dortmund, obviously, after, again, a heavy summer. Uh, I'm not sure how they're actually doing in Bundesliga, but uh, I imagine they're still trying to find the perfect team with a lot of their uh, new recruits. But that, that should be a good game. And, obviously, in a, in a, uh, a group with Barcelona, they're probably fighting. Um Fighting for second between themselves, so um, that should be a good game. Mm, yeah, Dortmund are not um,
1: not really flying. They've got still got a few issues there, conceding late goals, um, not not seeing games out and taking four points. So it's cost them it's cost them uh, six points from three games they were winning, and then to concede goals and only draw against um, weaker opposition, it's it's been an issue for them. So it will be interesting to see uh, see quite how those two teams come up against each other. And again, tactically, how the how the managers uh, face off against each other. But uh, like you said, uh, it's all at the same time as the Liverpool game. So it'll be a matter of yep. catching the highlights later. So, but uh, it's, I mean, it's a question I ask anyone uh, that comes on as a guest, looking around it, is there anyone who you feel is, is a big threat to Liverpool Perhaps successfully retaining this Champions League trophy at this stage of the season. Oh, um, I know Man City are the obvious mm, pick. Aside from City, is there any any one or two teams that kind of stand out, or you think that they probably would be the biggest threat?
0: Um, it's not Tottenham. <laughs> um, so just looking, I I I say it every year I'd not I wouldn't want to play Atletico Madrid for. Variety of reasons. The style of play, it'd be an annoying game. Um, They've got new shiny toys that are quite young and could spark in a life. I want to play them. But PSG have seemingly improved quite a bit. And I I believe they were missing their front three. And I know it was last year, but they were one of the teams that I know we, in the home game, we battered them for a half and then let slip. And I know PSG are big old bottlers in this competition. But if if Neymar's on his game, um Cavani and Mbappe, Bappe, now they've got Accadi in there as well, Di Marie assumingly in the form of his life as well. d they'd probably be the one I'd want to avoid. But um <sighs> between them two, probably for New as well, but I don't think Sarri's all that. But uh, I'll I'll say out of the two I'd probably say Aletico and Paris um, and PSG probably the ones I I'd worry about a bit.
1: Mm, it's 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 definitely changing, isn't it? The face of this is definitely mm. changing.
0: And Messi, not Barcelona, just Messi. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: So onto on to Liverpool's group. Uh, just briefly before we get into the Liverpool game, then. So Salzburg are at home to Napoli, and given the mm. position, you know the the way that the league standing is, uh, the fact that Napoli only drew away to Genk, uh and Napoli don't always travel too well. So you know w- what do you expect? to come out of that game given especially given how you know good salzburg our attacking was
0: well looking salzburg absolutely tore genk a new one didn't they at um, in austria um i'd probably say red bull probably favourites going at this um i imagine napoli will not be resting anyone for this one because uh, this is probably a must win one because this this What was on paper was probably a two-horse race. I mean, Salzburg have definitely made it uh, a three-horse race now. Um, I'd probably say... I'll I'll go with a Red Bull win there. Um, I think Mm. they'll have too much for him. I think if Koulibaly's on his game, that'll make all the difference because he's an absolute freak. Um, But the way Red Bull came back against us, um, I think if Napoli struggle on the road, I think Red Bull could could get a win. So I'll, I'll go for something like they seem to be a mad team so let's go for like 3-2. Yeah
1: I, I I kind of fancy a draw but I'd, yeah I do, like you, I think th- there could be a surprise in the air and, and as you said you know what was initially seen as a two horse race is most definitely looking like a three horse race so on to Liverpool taking on Genk then as we said look, Genk got tore a new one, no two ways about it in the opening game, Um, obviously decided they were going to be a bit more cautious and um, <laughs> Uh, a bit smarter about things in the second game, but you mentioned, you know, it was more attack v defense so this this game for Liverpool, I mean, it really has to be seen as an opportunity to, to go and get three points, doesn't it?
0: Oh, I think this has to be a must-win, really. Um, even though Napoli struggled, well, not struggled, they should have won, they really should have won that game, whereas Napoli's attack is good. It's not on the same level as ours. Um, we we should uh, we should go there and win. Um, we really should, because albeit Bel, I mean, I think they're sixth in the Belgian league, um, which is I don't think many people could probably name six Belgian teams on the top of their head, uh, which speaks volumes about it, really. But yeah, it's um, it, regardless, home or away, we we should be doing the double over the. Uh, Over genk for me. Um, I know we'll talk about some players and stuff, but uh, I already recognise two of them, which even yeah. I only have a limited knowledge of European football. But uh, it it's yeah, we 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 should be winning this. And to be honest, even if we rested a couple, like I don't want to be complacent or anything like that, but. I'd be seeing a, this game ultimately as an opportunity to give people like Naby Keïta, Ox, um, even Origi, to a certain degree, a few more minutes. I, I'm not sure if Shakiri will yeah. be back, but, but maybe Shakiri.
1: Just on that, I mean, I think another thing to consider on this, <coughs> it is a game that's sandwiched in between two big fixtures for yeah. Liverpool, mm-hmm. uh, being away at Manchester United on Sunday, and then the following Sunday playing host to Spurs. Now, obviously, it's not too much in the way of traveling, just a quick flight across to, to Belgium. So it's not like it's a big long-haul flight. But, you know, the games either side of it, you think that that itself might throw up the opportunity. And the thing for me, Guy, in this is when I think about this, as you said, you know, in the the previous game, kind of attack v defence, uh, we've got games either side. We're probably looking to have to break them down and, and get into it. For me it stands out It's the ideal opportunity in the midfield to to make a couple of changes to make one or maybe two changes. Uh you've mentioned Nabbicater. I I, I don't wonder if it's perhaps a little soon yet for him to start the game but maybe in a perfect opportunity for for Chamberlain to start and maybe you know we look for a bit more creativity a bit more on the front foot something else that we can do from midfield rather than um sticking with um Fabinho, Varnelldam and, and Henderson in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um as we mentioned, Milne has kind of grown in importance um these last two games as well, but we know we don't want to overplay him because he will turn into an eighty year old man if we overplay him. Um it's I think it is an opportunity. Obviously we're recording this on the Saturday ahead of Man United, so I mean it'd be weird if like Ox and Nabby starting that one. It'd be very unexpected, but uh stranger things have happened, but Presuming, um, presuming it's Ginny and Milner who start against United, um, maybe you can go for Benio, Henderson, and one of the two mentioned. If not, na- I'd prefer Naby to start over up because I think Naby's more likely to start in the long term. Um, but obviously, Naby's had. Um, uh, longer injury, and newer injuries. Uh, not longer injury, than not because he had a bloody year out. But he's had, yeah, new, he's yeah. had a I newer mean, injury. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, I, he's I think
1: it. it's yeah, it's it's about managing his his yeah. recovery, isn't it? Now mm-hmm. is that we're not going, we don't need to rush him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we you know that's why I'm thinking it's uh, for me a perfect opportunity for for Chamberlain to start and perhaps Naby to come on and have 25 to mm-hmm. 30 minutes. You know, again mm-hmm. to you know all based towards boosting his, his fitness and building building his yeah. minutes.
0: Because we have the League Cup in this month as well, so both of them could get, I don't know, it's against Arsenal, but I couldn't give a toss who were playing in that. <laughs> um, I'm all for Harvey Elliott who played that game, but yeah, I, I, I'd i like to see this as the start of the month, this start of the month as well we can start to um, give Ox and Naby uh, more minutes especially because um, the Champions League, I mean, we've got back-to-back games against Genk, Um as we mentioned, especially at home in the in the next one, that even then we should be able to do more rotation in that one. But um, what what would you say in the front three? Would you rather get the game done early than take someone off, or would you rather be starting Aregi over one of them?
1: I I think yeah, obviously allowing for any potential injuries, knocks, or anything like that. Pres- presuming everybody is fit, I, I would still favor you know getting the game done. Um, maybe that's me being old school, and then, and then we can start to manage the minutes. You know, make early changes. Like you say, the opportunity is there to bring Origi on, uh, to give to give either sala or Salah or Mane some some rest. So I think it'll all depend, all depend on game situation mm-hmm. and um, and and any like we say any knocks, lingering injuries, anything like that, any doubts over anybody, but um. <clears throat> Like I said, I, I pretty much expect us to be full strength. It's or, or to be the similar team that we've, you know, we've been starting most of the season. But um, I, I do fancy one change in the midfield. But I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not so sure we'll get much more than that. And I, maybe with it being away from home and it being so early, and it's I think more than anything that the priority is just get to get is to get those points on the board get ourselves into a good position, and then kind of take it from there.
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Um, Obviously, we've got a few players in the squad that we need to protect injury-wise as well, like Matip, so maybe we can see one of Joe Gomez or Lovren play as well. But ultimately, I'd agree, maybe three changes at max from the the normal team, depending if Alisson plays against United, which is obviously one uh, of the talking points going into that game. If you didn't start against United, Genk's probably the perfect game for him to come back into and stuff like that. But yeah, I'd probably say one of Lovren or Gomez, Ox or Naby, and then maybe Origi, depending on what happened on Sunday.
1: Uh, who do you think would be key in this then? For us to, you know, rather than us to, to have to worry about this, I know they, they seem to like to... Do this to us at times. <laughs> who, do, who do you think is going to be key for us here? If we are going to get this, get this game put to bed and and get the points. Get get maybe just
0: get a couple of goals. Um. Well, I expect it will again be attack v defense. So I won't pick the front three because obviously they're key to every game. I think whichever of the midfield three is the most attacking one will be the key because we need to break down a team and. That's probably one of our one of our only weaknesses in terms of breaking down a team is if if they stop our fullbacks if the third midfielder can step up a bit.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking the fullbacks as well. You you mentioned that. I think if if we can get uh, get Trent a little bit of space, if we can really get behind the defensive line and rather than crossing in front of their defense, actually getting behind and pulling the ball back, I, I think that's where we we look at our best.
0: Yeah, Andy, yeah, the fullbacks are always key to any game. Um, I, I only mention the midfield above them because we've seen teams try and stop our fullbacks more and more because they simply have to. And if if the fullbacks aren't on it, which we've seen in a couple games this season, I mean, Sheffield United is probably the one that jumps to mind, even Leicester a bit, um, although we should have been winning that game pretty comfortably. Um, but yeah, the, the fullbacks are always key because I think Trent, especially, because I think he's probably started a bit better attacking-wise than Robertson. But Trent is just an absolute freak. I mean, I mentioned on the la- the podcast we did yesterday, world record holding Trent nowadays. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the full-backs are key to every game. And I think there's a reason we didn't even mention about rotating one of them because of the two key. Like, if, if Gomez started this game, I'd probably be worrying about, like, Gomez starting at right back, I should say. If he started this game there, I'd be like, Oh, this is going to be more difficult than it should be, but um, yeah, the full, the full backs are just they're just absolutely so unique, and that that that's created by our system and their quality ultimately.
1: Mm. Uh, just looking through, you know, the the gang players, um, George Haji's Son it'll intrigue me watching him. But you go through the the list of players, you look at the, them domestically. They're not pulling up any trees domestically at home, you know they're. They they're six in the in the Belgian league. Only won half the games. So we've got to respect them. We can't be complacent, but we absolutely have to be winning this game, don't we? there's you know, however we go about it and, and you know, we talk about how we might have to look at breaking them down. Ultimately, this this really is a game that Liverpool should be winning. Without a shadow of a doubt, should be winning.
0: Oh god I. Um I mean, we just mentioned the pl- mentioned players there. I'm a proper FM nerd, and I only recognise two of them. <laughs> I mean, I've I've seen. Um, I think it's Yanis Hadji. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, I, I saw him at the under 21 tournament in the summer um, for Romania, uh, and Sanderberg, who is probably an FM starlet. Uh, I, I think Dave's mentioned him a bit over on on, on previous transfer pods and stuff like that. Uh, I think he's been linked with like teams like West Ham as well. They're they're probably the only two I recognise having a glimpse at the team. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I I don't care who's in their team. The the sixth in the Belgian league. We we need to be we need to be winning this game. And to be honest, I know I know three points is the most important thing, but we should be winning this comfortably. And as we mentioned, this should probably be an opportunity to, to take people off early or even start people um, for for fitness minutes and stuff like that. That's the way we should be looking at this game, is just going in with full confidence. Comp- not complacency, that's probably been the key word in, in this podcast, but um, this should be seen as an opportunity to win two, three, even four, nil upwards, uh, and take people off early, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's one we have to win. We have to get six points from these next two games. Or it, we're probably going to end up finishing second or even third, because as we mentioned, Salzburg have been a surprise. And um, as European champions, you just that we just can't have that happen. Because we, well, we've got Napoli at Anfield, haven't we? Which last season proved to be a tough game. And going to Salzburg, I mean, that's such an unknown quantity, and they give us a scare at Anfield. What will they be like at their own place? So yeah, must must be six points from these games.
1: Yeah, because as you mentioned, you know, it, it's the reverse fixture, so it's it's Liverpool. So we're away to Genk, and then we're at home to them early in November. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely opportunity to take us on to nine points and put us in the driving seat for confirming the place in the next phase of the competitions. So, um, on that, seems like the perfect opportunity to bring things to a close. And uh, I just have to ask you for a match prediction, then, Guy. Ooh, um,. I'll go 3-0 to us. Yeah, uh, I I think that's um, quite a likely one, actually. So, uh, fingers crossed we get that, or even better. So, that's it. That's all your match day three uh, action for a preview for Liverpool taking on Genk. Um, obviously, full full coverage of the game afterwards. Uh, there's the scouting Pod if you do want to find out a little bit more about anything that Genk do have to offer on AI Pro, and then uh, your, uh, everything after the game will be across Anfield Index, both the platforms. Um, but, uh, Guy, thanks for joining us. Um, and you've mentioned Red's Review. Going to be back for that one soon?
0: Yeah, probably after Spurs? Spurs in October? Yeah, it must be. I think it'll be after Spurs, won't we? And then there'll be face yeah. off, face off, face off is uh, face offs, um, and um, fantasy pods on the free side. And yeah, AI Pro and all that jazz. If you're if you're a subscriber, you probably listen anyway. Uh, but yeah, yeah, on the free side, uh, I'm annoying you everywhere, and anywhere at the minute, and I I apologise for that. <laughs> yeah.
1: He is the man of a million podcasts for good reason. Yeah, he is everywhere. So, uh, as we said, look, it it this is expected to be three points for Liverpool. It's up to Liverpool to go out there, do the business and prove to everyone just why they are the reigning European champions. So, until next time round, when it'll be Liverpool genk again, hopefully looking forward to another three points. Uh, that's it from your Champions League podcast from myself Andy Wales until next time it's bye-bye now
0: Miller, lovely cushion header but you're, oh, you're muted what a head strike what a head to Luis Garcia oh. tries his mark oh.
1: He must, score. he must score. It's a dead! The it stage for Liverpool? And Liverpool have won the Champions League! This is amazing!
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.